welcome to the 10th year of the Coach Joe Beer Motorsport Podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sporty riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers and fitness enthusiasts. Supported by No Pins, suppliers of cycling, running, triathlon and duathlon, aero clothing and custom club kit, speed pockets now in two versions, ATS trip skin suits and trip socks are now out. Visit nopins.com and supported by and sat in cyphopracing.com for all your biking needs and great brands such as Scott, Infocrank, Garmin, Infocrank, GoPro, Challenge, Tax, Lightweight, Infocrank, Beat It, Powerbar, Beat It, Beat It, Powerbar. Visit cyphopracing.co.uk. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. So this is the 146th episode for May 2016. I'm Coach Joe Beer and I'm joined today once again by Martin, but I won't even use your first name, I should say Crocker of Southfoot Racing at Southfoot Racing. Good evening. Good evening. Straight into questions. We're going straight in. Straight into questions. Um, I put out a tweet and it was about the, the technology. It was a news item from 220triathlon.com about the new uh, Giro Sport helmets and when you work it out it's quite a lot of money for quite a small amount of watts but it is some watts and I said uh, tweet your thoughts about it but also your ideas and Ian Johnson who I know through coming on training camps sent back an email and said uh, interested at how this was measured and if it's repeatable in real world riding. There was a second part to that which we'll come on in a moment too which was how many watts do stickers add for triathlon um, riding. So the Giro, did you hear about this Martin already? Uh, I have yes I have. I know there's a, a couple of versions of the, uh, the air ahead as it's called. That's right. That's right. Um, and a lot of the helmets now, whether it be mountain biking or road or aero, um, basically have got the MIPS, the MIPS, which is uh, multi. I want to say impact protection system. Okay, but well, that, that'll do. That'll do. Nobody else will know otherwise. So, well, no, it is. It's um, it's actually called the multi-directional impact protection system. Very close. So, um, so there's safety features built into it as well as aerodynamics. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, and yeah, so the, I've, I've seen a, a couple of incarnations, so whether it just be the arrowhead or the arrow. Oh, you've seen ultimate. it in the flesh. Yes. Oh. Um, but only very, very briefly. And I oh, think that a quick one, flash of the mips. Yeah, <laughs> flash the mips. And um, it's. I don't know. You'll you'll be a better. You're a better judge. Ooh, I think nowadays one. we're all looking for value for money. Oh yeah. Um, from the point of view that. You know, if these helmets are going to cost, or these wheels are going to cost, these bikes are going to cost X amount of money, yeah. what am I getting for that? So, yeah, which is, which is part of that tweet was, you know, when you worked out based on some of the numbers that, that Giro themselves quoted, it was less than, it was less than a watt for the comparisons of helmets they put out. And I looked at their data and I printed it out and I looked at the cost of helmets and you know, they start as their benchmark was the um, Vantage, 
which I have. Which you have. I used to have as a try and an error. That's right. Um, but the Select is probably one of the helmets that a lot of people know. It's a very popular helmet. And, um, you know, selectors probably search online. For, right, I'm just going to search online at somebody would and they'd ask their shop and it's only oh, 170 to 190 quid probably as a reference. Yeah, I think retail is 239 actually. Okay, uh, maybe I was looking at a, a, a 2014 version. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 230 yeah. for the current one. So actually the, the Arrowhead standard is about the same cost. Yeah. And then uh, the Arrowhead Ultimate is 499 which means basically you're paying twice as much um, for that helmet. And it was a case of, is it, you know, is it worth it? Is it, is it worth it? Well, I suppose it depends on how much people want to get out of their equipment. If you were coming in to buy um, a helmet as a starting point, it might be that if you can buy this new one at the same price as the selector, and their data suggests that it's about seven watts better than the selector, then you'd say, well, if I buy this current version, it would be like me looking back at older versions of Aero Helmets going, what were we doing buying that? That isn't much better than... But you've got to buy those increments to get to where we are today. But at the same time, their data didn't make sense. If you go to the um, crunching the data part of their page, there was just very low numbers given for 40K time trials where they're saying, look, this will give you, you know, something in the region of three to four seconds over the selector. Selector. So this is the new helmet. The new helmet yeah. over the selector. So the 499 one, you're spending double the cost. If you look at it only in aero terms, and of course we can go on to the safety, we can go on to the cooling and stuff. But in aero terms, you're paying double the cost to effectively get something like, you know, they're saying you're going to get four seconds. Wow. You've got to be, you've got to be flushed to buy twice the cost of helmet to get four seconds. Anyway. Below that is data from the actual wind tunnel, which they don't say, <coughs> excuse me, how they did it. Maybe they did it on a mannequin, maybe they did it in a different way. But that says that the selector compared to the arrowhead is between five and seven watts. Five to seven watts over a helmet doesn't give you the small margins that they're talking about. They're talking about only giving three seconds over 40k. That's barely even. That's barely even a measurable amount that they're showing up. And over Ironman, it's saying, look, if you move from the selector, which you've just quoted at £200, and you went up to the um, Arrowhead Ultimate, you'd gain something in the region of 19 seconds over an Ironman. And you kind of think, 19 seconds over an Ironman? That doesn't equate to the 7 watts that you're on the bay. The, the numbers are out. Now, one is on the track which is more real world, but then you put rider error into the measurement. And another one is in the tunnel where you're only measuring it as a, you know, a changeable thing that you're not changing anything else within the parameters. Yeah. What would be a, a good comparison also is yeah. for people that have only ever used a normal helmet. Well, they've, got, they've, got, a... they've got the AeroTac Shield, which is an aero helmet, still an, yeah. but it's still an aero road yeah, helmet, yeah. and it's actually better than the initial helmet that they compare all of these against, which is the Advantage, the advantage yeah. which you can pick up for about £85. And they're saying, you know, the Advantage, which is the absolute baseline they're measuring, let's say 80 quid-ish, maybe if you would buy a second-hand helmet, which is always a dubious thing to buy a second-hand helmet, if you would, you're looking at baseline to the Aerohead, they're saying it's 17 watts better. Now we're starting to talk big numbers. Yes. Yeah. That's 34 seconds over 10 miles. I think we've worked it out um, before we 
before we came on air, we were working it out what that um, gives in terms of you know sort of uh, total time. But seventeen watts. Six minutes, six minutes. Yeah, six minutes. Yeah. 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 So, you know, big numbers, six minutes, not 20 odd seconds. So there's a slight disparity between what it goes out from track data, what goes out from the aero data in a, I can only assume they're doing it on a mannequin and they're looking at the changes of the rider. But it does make you wonder, well, if there's so much out between, um, you know, they are quoting reasonable Ironman, they're saying at 250 watts, okay, the time trial is maybe a bit unreasonable because it's a, 40k at 400 watts and there's um how many people do 40k at 400 watts really no <laughs> no most not, definitely not me no definitely not yeah, yeah. No, no. at 40 watts at no, 4k even that's still um that's still a hoof so it was it was it was good to see that somebody came back and asked a question it's quite um it's quite nice to think that perhaps the real world data is is so so marginal now that all the other helmets, particularly like up to the selector, which is quite an up-to-date helmet anyway, actually most people have got most of the gains already. Well, look at it from the point of view of someone that hasn't had an aero helmet, is yeah. kind of saving up or looking to make the jump. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yes, if you jump from a normal helmet to, I don't know, maybe the, the um, just the aero head rather than the ultimate, mm. you know, all right, it's 200 and something odd quid, yeah. 230 quid. But that's still a huge saving in wattage. Yeah, yeah. Compared to you know, I know I know quite a few guys that are into try um, that just sit on the fence and go, no, it just it looks wrong. Well, that, well, it does look wrong, but then you know the aero bikes look wrong. Yeah. And then you yeah. being in that position for a certain amount of time mm. looks wrong. But if you're ultimately wanting that gain and you're going from a normal helmet to a, an aero helmet now, yeah. a modern aero helmet, then the saving is massive. Yeah, and the the important thing is, is it makes, you know, it's part of the rider. The rider still contributes more drag than the bike. You can't automatically put things on your bike to make more aero. Okay, wheels, yeah, you can change your wheels, but that's putting your wheels on. But the helmet is, you've got to buy a helmet, maybe you're better, unless it's very, very, very hot, you're maybe better to just go for an aero helmet. Uh, I got another opinion in, which was I got uh, Xavier Disley from AeroCoach UK who does uh, aero testing at Newport Track. And I sent him, you know, he looked at the page and stuff, and I said, look, give me, give me something that you're happy for me to quote about, because I'd like to get, you know, a, a real aerodynamicist's slant on this. And he wrote this, and I'll say it word for word, as per his uh, email, which was um, on the 27th of May. And he said, the new Giro Aerohead looks like a well-designed helmet. However, as far as we know from our extensive experience of hundreds of riders, the helmet results are very individual. Giro's own data proves this, as they've published both velodrome and wind tunnel data that contradicts itself, saying that the Aerohead beats the selector by approximately seven watts in the wind tunnel and uh, two to three watts or less, um, and I added in the or less bit, um, from track data, and the track data, as he says, is fudged a bit to increase wattage savings by assuming a pro-level uh, rider putting out 400 watts and travelling extremely quickly. As with all helmets, it's important to understand that the interaction with the rider is individual, but as an established helmet company with excellent history in helmet aerodynamics, the 
arrowhead is worth considering. But we, we were saying this, and he did say in another in another thing that she didn't mind me adding. Um, the selector is still a good option for lots of riders. Yeah, and we were saying about the importance then of when people come for bike fits to have, especially if it's a try or an, um, you know a time trial position, to bring their current helmets along because yeah. you know even though it may not be the most modern helmet, the interaction between like like kind of we were discussing. You know, obviously Joe. Joe's kind of the uh, um, the, the expert in, in, in this part of the, of the bike fit. Is you know, is the inter interaction between the person, mm. the shape of what. But I still, like I'm still not a virtual. I'm still not a virtual, which is why people that want to get it right have to go to, to Xavier and, and, yeah. and, and get get tested to say what helmet is actually fastest. And that's very much at the top end of the tree of the icing on the cake is we can icing on the cake. Yeah, yeah. most people an aero helmet will make you faster whether you get the exactly right aero helmet for you you'll never know unless you spend a few hundred pounds and a couple of hours going around the track and you can find having done that with uh not this time last year it's a bit later last year with uh a qualifier john hall went to uh, kona and we looked at um, head aerodynamics, particularly obviously the, the helmet, and yes, we found a, a significant amount of watts based on you know one brand, which is just a general stab in the dark. It was faster, but it was still faster than a vented helmet. Versus right, which one is going to be the fastest for how you ride the bike? Um, on Ian's second bit, he said um, at Lanzarote we had three helmet stickers, uh, i.e. front and both sides, like this photo. He sent a photo, and there's stickers on the helmets. And the thing is, if you stick a sticker on a helmet, it's actually going to make no difference whatsoever for somebody's aerodynamics. It's, it's irrelevant. I start looking at that picture and think, well, you know, not only uh, not only is the, the the setup a bit higher than maybe ideal, but also there's somebody there with a, a flapping number with stuff in their back pockets and with stuff on the bike that's a bit a bit uh, inverted commas dirty. And there's so many areas where you can go hunting for these little bits. You have got to calm it all down and sort of say, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, what's the real thing that's, you know, that's slowing you down a bit? And often than not, it is back to the basics. You've got to have a good body position. An aero helmet makes sense. I know there's a trend for people to have these road aero helmets, um, as per this picture of, uh, of which uh, Ian sent in. But for lots of people, particularly these people in a higher position, they're better with the helmet and the tail on it, and you're not in the triathlon constantly putting your head down and, and doing a you know a time trialist head down, got the drag. A, it's dangerous, and B, you've got so many more people around you, and the aero helmet um, choice is big, but I think sometimes people choose the wrong one just based on what brand or name is around that is trendy. And good to see that, I suppose, we can't always agree what brand i use a, a scott split um you've used a to say selector no advantage 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 um most of them are quicker than if you were in a vented helmet what is the quickest difficult one what is happening is they're definitely getting better at being um at being more aero but you've still got to check that that works for each individual it's very good to see visors being integrated or with many of them you can pop the visor off and they don't make any difference in aerodynamics but if you want something on your eyes uh, it's good to have something where particularly in triathlon picking up a pair of specs that doesn't really cover your full eye uh, coverage area um, a 
visor does. So you've kind of immediately blocked any, any gnats or grit or anything hitting you, you've blocked it out and you've actually probably got greater peripheral vision. A lot of them will unclip actually, you can actually unclip them and most of them have got plastic clips on where they will clip up, yes. um, yeah. up out of the way. Yeah. So you can take them off, but yeah. like you said, it's whether it impacts yeah. um, you know, the, the aerodynamics that it's... Yeah. You know, also, I wear contacts and I need something on when I'm riding it. I'd have to be riding really slow for them not to irritate in the wind. And if you go somewhere hot like Lanzarote, you can really start, if you get dry dust whipping up and you're riding without anything on your eyes, it can be really irritating. Um, but good question, Ian, and it's good, it's good for people to, um, to sort of think about, um, we've done stuff on, on tyres, and although I've shown Martin something on tyres, we're not going to speak specifically about the data, we'll do that a bit later, and not the data, just some, uh, some insider news. Um, I also found, and uh, this, this is where I, I want to be, um, Clearly, I work with Scott. It's all over my website. It's probably oh yeah, I've got an item of clothing on that's got. Um, but I like to still say, look, there are other brands out there. The things happening, and Laser had just put out um, an inclination sensor, which it says um, whether you want to do training or not. Yeah, yeah, inclined. yeah. Whether you're inclined, they show a laser wasp helmet with this uh, inclination sensor on the back, and it it. Uh, it's 120, sorry, 149.99 pounds. It's 120 euros. Um, I don't know how that works out, because surely the euros is meant to be higher than the pounds. I thought that was always the way it worked, but anyway. Um, the, uh, the unit sits on the very back of the helmet, and it works out, uh, I'm guessing, I didn't look into too much detail, I just literally grabbed at it and put it on the podcast notes. It, provides a, an audible sound when that helmet moves um, too far away from the back of your shoulders. So it's trying to find the perfect spot. How you set that perfect spot, I imagine there's some kind of set position that somebody holds it when you're in the perfect spot and that sets it up and whether it goes one way or the other, you then start getting, presumably you can hear it, you start getting an audible feedback as to where your, um, where your head is, which Let's face it, one of the things with helmets is you've still got to keep them in the right place. And if people are bobbing their head around or looking from side to side, um, they're still making it less ideal. Better head position will help. The moment you move them around, they do start to, to vary in their results. And actually having audible feedback might be quite good for some people, particularly as they get tired, it starts to sort of say, look, you're still... or you know the ones right along, they're constantly looking at their own legs, always trying to look at their own legs. So don't look at your own legs, look ahead. That's where the problems are, not in your legs. And if they look at their legs and it goes wheel wheel, right, put my head back in. Whereas otherwise, there's also the, the case that you've got the Garmin as well, and you're looking at your power or your heart rate or your speed or yeah. your time. So yeah. It's and there's a picture good. based on based on that wind tunnel. That that's an American wind tunnel. It's a rally team. Is it? Yeah. Is it? American. If you watch the tour of California, the uh, uh, rally team, not as in the UK rally. Ah, yes, because they said about the rally that about their team in the US won the national championships That's using right. the helmet. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So it's I mean it's out there, and maybe it's a maybe it's a retrofit for um, the helmets. I don't know, but I thought that was just quite a good, you know, a, a good idea in principle. If it keeps you in the right position, it's the same as somebody stood on poolside telling you you keep doing that with your right arm, put your right arm where you know it needs to be, rather than what you keep yeah. doing. You know, we've all got habits, and that looking down habit at your legs can be one of the worst ones. People start looking, you know, look ahead, keep your head in the right place. So there you go, and the laser inclination sensor. I think it's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the, uh, da, 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 da. 
put out a, a thing the other day, one of those Twitter things, a wind tunnel alert, as I called it, and there was a shot from Lotto uh, Jumbo, or Jumbo as people call it, Jumbo, and it was showing a wind tunnel session, so the tweet is still out there, went out on the 16th of May, and there was a, a skin suit, and it was really interesting, there was a skin suit, and there was these small sections, probably three centimetres of tape, holding down a five centimetre piece of, um, what do you call that? Just like wool, isn't it? It's like a strand of wool. And, it, and they're all meant to align straight away down the rider's back, their side, they had some on their legs, and they watch what's happening to the separation of the air. Well, the good thing is, is, is Lotto. Now, you, and you can see the benefits because of, um, you know, TT wins and um, individual time trial wins as far as kind of big tours. So I know they, they've won, uh, they've won one of the, uh, was that the Giro? At the yeah. Giro, and they won the, the kind of the, the second TT, I think it was, yeah. rather than the prologue. So. And they said, uh, Jos van Emden, Starts his time trial today at 16:31, so that was the um, the zero. But he said, and it says after a period with a lot of dedication, and this was this whole wind tunnel session that they showed him in there. And um, uh, why I was alerted to it was that they had a no pins number pocket in their back, and they've got they've got the, the little flutter strips over that, checking that that's working. But they were also looking, I could see them looking at socks on the legs. They were looking at every bit of him to try and work out. Where's the air going? And it was some uh, fluid aerodynamicist that they were working with. Um, I, I didn't take note of it, but it was quite interesting. They actually showed what was going on, and many do. But sometimes it's a, it's a. Um, I guess there's always going to be data they keep back, and you can't necessarily see. But it was quite good to, to see what they were doing. Um, there are some wind tunnels where there's been loads of videos from, and it's the same old kind of you know standard spiel. This was a bit different, and also they had. There some different things they were looking at or how they expressed what they were looking at, which is quite good, because there's different ways to outthink it. It's not just the same, oh, we have to do what such and such does. But also, it's, it's quite refreshing that they kind of, they, they make it available for people to, to look at. It's almost, time trial must be the worst. To be aerodynamic must be the worst, because there's loads and loads of work that, go, that yeah. goes into it. Oh, there we go. But it's very, um, it's very rare that you see anything that's gone on and especially if these guys kind of win it's quite nice for the teams and everybody to kind of go well this is what we've been doing we mm. haven't just kind of stumbled upon it we've been doing which reminds me when you were off the other day not working i note yeah, I watching know. the zero with your son i note yeah. um you said oh aren't aren't the ultra green edge riding helmets which is the other part of my thing was um the you said about the scott aero road helmet yeah and um that's um what's it called do you know what's it called the scott arrow road helmet i don't know um someone someone told me what's it called i, don't know. I can't remember but, but it looks it looks it's should... actually in um i think it's in cycling weekly this week oh is it okay yeah, there's cycling weekly there's a um there's a shout out to cycling weekly um and i've noticed uh was it Esteban chavez chavez that's right chavez yeah. um he was at the front and i I was watching it on a big screen and I was taking screen grabs to try and get a picture of the helmet. So every so often with a Mac, you can hold a certain key thing and get a screen grab. I was well, quickly trying to grab it. It was, it was a text message of me sending it to you when, when you said, can you do the podcast Friday? 
And I said, have you seen the new Scott Error helmet? That's right. And That's you right. went, no. And then to, for me to text back and go, well, turn on Eurosport because Orica Greenedger or Esteban Chavez is, is riding it now. That's right. And then I went to um, Uphill TV, Steep Hill TV, steephill.tv, yeah, yeah. and you can get all the feeds of right. Eurosport. And I, so I brought it up on, I've got one screen I'm working on, I've got another screen. I brought it up and I was taking it in random pictures because they, they spent a lot of time on one part of the race, right on here. That's right, yeah, yeah. And I was taking the pictures of it. But again, there's another there's another helmet. So these um, these incremental gains are trickling down. And that's where it's got to come from, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's got to come from these kind of big budget teams that are, are doing the testing, the data, because they'll get the most from it. Yeah. And then it trickles down to kind of us mere mortals, I suppose. Um, but the other day, twice, I found a, a simple one, which I don't think is a trickle down as much as... For me, it's a, it's a, it's a lateral thing. It's, it's people with road shoes that have got quite, quite poor, thin UVA bottoms inside the insoles. N nothing much to them at all. I mean, you can put a piece of paper in there and you'd be a similar amount of, of cushioning. And then to get them to say, well, get a pair of running shoes, take them out, put them in. One guy, we did it there, out of his running shoes, put them into his bike shoes, like, get back on the bike and ride. He's like, wow, that's phenomenal. He says, they're not, they're not running shoes that I use anyway, they're just kickerbacks. I said, well, there you go, that's what you're going to do with your insoles, put them in your bike shoes. And suddenly he's like, that's amazing. I, I did it by mistake when I, I turned up at a race and uh, typically had been drying the shoes from the race before and just completely forgot to put the insoles back in. So I've been stood there looking at the shoes going, well, what am I going to do? And then took them out of my trainers, put, right. the, put the cushioned insoles in. And what and did I was you find? Like, my good Lord. I, you know when... You think cycling shoes, shoes are comfortable, but they're not trainer comfortable, are they? And you put the insoles in, and you go, "Geez, that that's, that's you know ten times as comfortable as as yeah. they sh as they sh they were." Yeah. Um, and also with some of the insoles on the running shoes, and you can do it with the road shoes or the mountain bike shoes now, is they have got anatomical anatomical arch supports yeah. inside. Yeah. So, but most of the running trainers seem to have a better support there. Yeah. So once you put it in, the inside of the arch of the uh, shoe is built up from a cycling shoe to stop you from kind of caving in, I suppose, turning your knees in. Um, and yeah, it just felt loads better. Mm. So I so, kind of so got that's the top, that's the top tip. Yeah, because it's a dead set. simple one, and it's and you don't need to spend £499 to get it. And if you ride a bike, I just think it's a, it's an easy way, even if you buy a cheap pair of trainers and take you know take the insoles out and then use other, other insoles for the trainers. It's just amazing the difference that a decent EVA insole makes. And yes, you're meant to transfer power through the pedal via the shoe but you don't lose power and for long course triathletes even short even i'd say medium middle distance tries i just think it's a, it's a level of comfort that makes sense because you're not trying to be on the bike and oh i'm going to lose power if i don't have my you know feet exactly in the same place it's like no you're not doing you're not a, you know a track pursuit rider that wants to keep their feet pushing every ounce of effort down through them you've got to have a fair degree of comfort so top tip that um, we've got another question I gave to you earlier. Shall I read it out? You read it out. I can read it out. Thanks. You read it out. Then. I've, I've learnt now. Um, so this is from uh, Rob Gundry. Um, and it says, Hi, my question is how to improve aero confidence. Uh, his bike is a Cannondale Slice 105 uh, 2013. He said, I've had a bike fit and adjustments. I can get aero and hold the position okay. But if I have to come out of the aero... Uh, to get the brake for a hazard, uh, I lose confidence. Also, I can only drop to aero at slow speed and then speed up. Any help and advice is much needed. So, what was your initial thoughts? It, I think 
it's a difficult one with 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 bike riding in aero position because the aero position if you're not used to it is quite unnatural so the bike is a lot more nervous mm. um i think your sense of speed as well, well you are going faster you mm. are going faster mm. on, a, on an aero bike um but downhill they're not particularly stable mm. um, and some of them are an absolute nightmare to ride uphill so i think automatically your mindset is the bike is fast it is a little bit twitchy it's a little bit nervous so and you tend to be like that as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I think after, after doing quite a bit of time trialing and triathlon, um, ultimately you have to kind of train a little bit or practice on that bike you're going to race. Um, and if you've had a setup or a position change, it does take a while to get used to it. It does mm. get, take a mm. while to get used to the fact that the pads are narrower, wider, lower, higher, you know, and, and, and that kind of adjustment. But takes I just time. think it was. But I have to come out of aero to get the brake for a hazard. Which you would have to anyway. Which I'm thinking, well, does he mean he has to get, I have to get out of aero to get the brake? Now is it that he can't reach the brake and be on the arrows at the same time? Which, you know, you can, can with confidence do that. Or is he on a bike, he literally has to get up because that's the only way he can reach it because he is whatever adjustment he's had, he might be so aggressive that he can't actually then reach for the bars. He has to almost push himself up. Um, we have seen, I can't remember whether I ever did it. I know people did do it. And I remember seeing uh, something like Bobby Ulick doing where they mounted a lever That's back right. to front. No, I did do it. I did it years ago with a BMX lever, actually. Right. Yeah. I had one BMX lever on the front where you held the bars and another one down here, and it, and it, was, um, it was actually on Scott DH bars. But it meant that in aero position, you could scrub the, the speed with the back wheel. And you just didn't, didn't slow down, you just slowed a bit yeah, down. Yeah. You know, you didn't go... It's not, it isn't conducive when you're in the, in the aero bar position when it's narrow. Yeah. It's not conducive to have a brake there because it's just... You know, you can grab at it too hard, and then of course it gets. You wouldn't a want it the front brake. No, no, and it gets a bit squirrely, and you need the width to be able to get the stability. But the, I, I think the only way for um, Rob well, in this in this instance is, is just to keep practicing at, in that position, and it means going out and riding mm. your TT bike. Yeah, it does um, sound like confidence, doesn't it? Because I, I can only drop to aero onto the ski poles at slow speed and speed up. And if you haven't been on them, you know, they are, they are quite, a, you know, quite a thing to, to get used to, particularly if you've been used to, um, um, I mean, he has done triathlon before, so I've just got to be questioning bike fit and adjustments. Falling into the lowers better is a possibility. Um, looking at, at data from riders that have had tunnel and, and uh, track assessment, uh, lower definitely isn't better. A lot of times riders have to come up to be more aero. And if somebody sets somebody up and goes lower, they can put more weight on the front of the bike. Mm. That can then mean that you do lose confidence because you're always going weight first onto the bars, which changes the handling, changes how heavy the, the bars are. And of course, once you're on aero bars, um, you are committed. You, you haven't got, if you haven't got the confidence to then lift yourself up from the core, and then reach over. You don't want to be pushing up off the bars because the bars are steering you. And if you push and push wrong, you're now steering yeah. your way. And I think you have to be used to lifting yourself up with your core, not just lying on a bike. So there might be there might be something that means that Rob, you've been set too low at the front for your particular 
um, level of handling, your sometimes even people's body shape. People that are quite stocky or barrel-like at the top have got a lot of weight on the on the bars, and they sometimes need to be higher up at the front because otherwise they're just putting too much pressure on their on their body. Other people find that they literally fall onto the aero bars, and it feels quite natural because the distribution of weight isn't excessive towards the front. I mean, there's a, there's another issue, I suppose, or other issues that you can look at. You know. Um, is the confidence there in the braking? So you know, are, yeah. Have you have you got um, maybe the pads are a little bit worn, or are they uh, a dual pull caliper instead of a single pivot? Oh, there we like go. The dual pull ones. caliper. So, Can you explain to the dual pivot? So a lot of the new uh, 105, so the 5800, so the 11-speed 105 and uh, the 6800, so the Ultegra 11-speed, have now have dual pivots, so they pull from both sides instead of single pivots on the old. 5700 10 speed 105 and the 6700 uh, 10 speed Ultegra, where they just pulled from one pivot. So basically, yeah. when you pulled one side, the cable pulled one side, it then actuated the other side. That's right, yeah. Whereas the, the, the new ones now have improved the braking performance by about 25%. So, silly little things like that, um, you know, brake pad compound, uh, rim wear. So, you know, you might, you might have had a little bit of a twitch or a little bit of a nervous kind of rattle, and, you know, subconsciously you haven't forgotten that. Um, but you know, ultimately, I think it will come. The confidence will come from when you do more riding in that position. Um, you know, to make sure um, to make sure that you're comfortable. Um, and you know, different situations do arise where you kind of you do panic a little bit. You do. I mean, I've, I've had an incident on a time trial where. Um, well, that was, a, that was a few years ago. Yeah, I know, <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. It was raining on the 25. Actually, hit a pothole. Both hands slid off where I was supposed to be braking. Fortunately. I had enough kind Your of... Your nose saved you. Well, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> put my head down quick. But luckily, I had enough time to be able to kind of... The bike didn't do anything silly. It stayed straight. The chest didn't really hit the pads. I just had enough time to get the hands back on. I had a bit of a giggle to myself, thinking mm -hmm. heart rate shot up a little bit. And then and as soon as I got back to the shop, I was putting bar tape on because they were completely bar tape free. Um, hey, the, the marginal gains, eh? The yeah, marginal gains. But, but, but things like that, I mean, again, that confidence came from me practicing being yeah. in the position all right you can't allow for things like that that happens but you know you can be confident that the bike's going to react and do what you want it to do by practicing being in that position. I, I remember the i remember the first time i had aerobots and it was it it was for me it was absolutely natural and the pad the pads were like foam you push this foam thing all the way along to the center of the bar or just the and it was like a, imagine like a donut that went bigger at the edges. So it's a donut that you actually sat on in terms of it was all the way around, like a thick, like a thick pad. And then it was wide at the edges to stop you falling off. And that was on the Scott DH bars. But they were not too narrow. And you could put them on as what you felt to be the right position. I just leant on them and thought, that feels totally natural. And it was never a difficult thing. But I'd always, I'd always thought that aero bars were easier for people with a sense of bike balance. And they were always going to be difficult for people that find even balance on a bike quite, quite um, a, you know, a challenge, and that they not can't naturally take their hands off. Well, when you're on the aero bars, you're on that very sensitive pivot, and if you don't get the weight distribution right, and if you're a bit nervous, they can feel terrifying for people. But that's that's that is the other thing as well is you know you if you're naturally a nervous rider, mm. then you know you're going to get a certain amount of movement, but you do get used to that. Yeah. And you, you kind of then stop, once you're used to it, you stop doing the little micro adjustments yeah, that yeah. you make, 
you know, when your legs turn, you have a tendency for the bike to wiggle a little bit when you're getting the speed up. Um, but, you know, it all comes from just practice. That's just practice, being practice. In the, but but you have done, because I know, I know of you, Rob, um, I know of you, Rob, uh, and I know he'd done the immortal half Ironman and he'd been training for it. So he had error bars and I don't know whether it's a, a question of a you know hypothetical nature about you know what would happen if I wasn't like this and, in, and instead he's sort of you know asking on somebody else's behalf but if you've noticed that after a fit or after um, you know any kind of adjustment self-adjustment change a brand of your saddle change something if you notice things aren't quite right if somebody's helped you then go back to them and say the help might not have all been good help and I've certainly had Plenty of those instances where somebody say, I need you to just tweak this. Um, or is it that, like you say, it's a confidence thing. And as you try and go faster, it's no longer the, you know, the bike tires, your helmet, whatever. It's your ability to handle that bike and relax at speed. And there's nothing worse than somebody going too fast and coming a cropper. And then, and then, you know, for all of that fitness they've built, for all that money they've spent on their bike, they're then... Uh, lying on the roadside going, oops, uh, that wasn't in plan, that wasn't even in plan C. And unfortunately, it's down to their ability to handle their bike. You have to stay within the parameters of your ability. Yeah. And at least in training, you can play around with how fast can you go on certain stretches. You know, uh, or rather you should do it on rides, on rides that you know uh, safer places to do it. And I think the more you do it, the more you can know when you shouldn't be doing it where your parameters of speed are, how you don't leave it really late into a corner and start going around corners, you're not sure whether you can get around on error bars because there's no way once you're on error bars you go around a corner. If you're not going to make that corner on error bars, it's horrific because you've got nowhere to got nothing to do. But at least on on normal bars you can play around with how well you do or don't make that corner. Whereas on error bars you're a trajectory. You're not you're not doing anything but but you know close your eyes and see how far you can get around before you hit something. And I think that the key thing with aerobars is they are for comfort, they can improve your speed, but they have to be used enough times that races aren't just the first time that you get on aerobars. I quite like getting on my bike just to do silly little errands because every so often I get on the aerobars and even if it's in a pair of jeans and it's just going to grab some shopping, the great thing about that is you learn how the bike handles differently because there's a different, you know, you've got something on your back. You're, you're riding in, you know, just normal um, trainers. You're not riding with clip-ins. And I think it almost sets up the... Well, when the, you're hanging your shopping, Tesco shopping bags off the front. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a bag on your back and you're, you're riding along. But what it does is it gives, you that, it gives you that parameter of what's the bike like when you're not totally in the normal bandwidth of how you ride it. You're actually doing it differently because you're not clipped in. So the bike's moving around a bit more. And you've probably got weight on the back, and therefore you're moving around a bit more again. And I think it's quite good because it, it, it challenges that capacity to ride your aerobike. It's a good question, actually. Yeah, I, th question. I, think it, I think it was a good question because um, it's one that some people don't want to admit. And that's the best questions is the ones where people say, oh, actually, they're saying a bit more. What should I do to get better? Ride the bike. Yeah. And don't ride the bike on your turbo. On the trainer. turbo, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you can learn how to do um, aero bars on rollers, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a great party act. But for most people, just riding outdoors and riding indoors on your, um, your cow horns or your normal drop bar bike is quite good for your overall balance. And if your balance is better, you can ride aero bars.
that people that can't balance do find aerobars fundamentally a problem because balance itself is difficult. Put your arms, you know, uh, 24 to 14 centimetres apart and I try and ride them, it's now a very difficult proposition. And I think people, people don't appreciate that actually the faster you do go, the more stable you are. Yes. From that, from, from that, but then you have to bear in mind you do have to go around corners, not everything is straight. So, but I just think practice, practice in that position. Practice, practice, practice. Perfect. Um, so we were, we were talking, and uh, those that don't want to talk about tyres, you may uh, switch off now and fast forward. Um, Does that include me? That includes you as well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, was, I was just going to say, actually, there were was, there was some updates, because I did, I did follow up on what somebody said recently, which was, um, oh, tell us the insider stuff that you know about when you know about it. Um, and so I'm going to tell you something that um, I find out, which... I doubt there's anybody listening that knows uh, these two items, but I would be very surprised if you knew one of them. Edco, so the wheel manufacturer Edco, are in the wind tunnel. I've got to stop at a certain point in this text because there's something that I can't say, which I've already said to you, but I can't say, but I'll stop at that point. Edco are in the wind tunnel testing uh, wheels against other brands, and this was uh, 2 p.m. Arizona time on, I think it was Tuesday... Uh, Tuesday the 25th, I believe, Tuesday the 25th, uh, anyway, um, and they are going to uh, put those data out at some point, Edco wheels versus other wheels, and there is other news about Edco which I cannot say about. Secondly, um, Continental will launch some fast tyres at Eurobike. Um, don't know what they will be called. Uh, the prototype that Fredino was using in Hawaii, which I think he might still be on, which was marked up on the tyre 111, uh, is 6 watts per tyre, faster than the aftermarket versions that the listeners out there will be using. So that's probably based on the higher end of rolling resistance, so when they do it, perhaps at higher speeds and rougher surfaces. So not the... Um, some data out there from uh, one of the uh, sort of uh, testing gurus that you're only quoting, you know, 10, 12 watts per tire. So it's not that because you can't take you can't take six watts off of a 12 watt tire or even a 10 watt tire. Are, um, are we allowed to say what brand it is? Yeah, Conti. I say Conti. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, can, we can say Conti. Yeah. Um, but it's probably the ones where they come out with um, data that show that the tire takes about is somewhere you know they're sort of quoting the, the tires about sort of. 15 and above. It just depends on what surface are you comparing it on and at what speed. And because as speed goes up, the, you know, proportionally the coefficient of rolling resistance um, stays the same, but therefore the total drag on that tire just keeps going up and up and up and up. So it's a function of speed. So if you measure it at, you know, 50k around a track or 50k on a, on a drum, you're going to have different data to some out there where they're measuring at 18 miles an hour. And it's not to say, oh, look, it doesn't have an effect, because there's effects at 18 miles an hour that are enough to make a difference. So probably this is quoting the higher end of um, the data. Um, therefore, it's still something around six watts per tire better. And that's straight from horse's mouth. So there you go. That's a, that's a um, insider exclusive. An, that is an insider exclusive. There we go. So um, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, what other things do you know of or can you tell us about? Um, most of it's out there at the minute um, with reference to 
you know, bike parts and bikes and, you know, certain things. And, you know, there's a lot of movement in the, in the retail market. So, um, you know, um, Chain Reaction have acquired Wiggle. Um, I've just heard recently that Halfords have bought two big bike, um, bike shops or bike businesses, I should say. Which means that they might almost cover fifty percent of the UK's cycling market, that retail cycling market. You might have to tell me off there. Uh, I have to get it right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so don't, so don't say yeah, it. Else you'll start. Yeah. You'll start a wildfire. So, but he's yeah. They the Halfords have bought um, two two big uh, retail online retail um, bike businesses. I think. Okay. So, and now now we're in the season. Lots of people actually start. Start clearly focusing on their own racing, whether it's whatever uh, discipline, distance, whether they've just finished their you know, London Marathon a while back and they're building up the 10Ks, whether they're going into the half Ironman, Ironman, the time trialist, the bigger sporties. There's not the wiggle, there's the wiggle, um, wiggle one next weekend. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. Um, you know, there's, there's, this is, the, this is the, the heat of the season, this is where it all kicks off. and. To that end, if you have any questions, please um, send them in. It often isn't a great one to say, I've got a race in two weeks, what should I be doing? Because by the time we've um, got that, turned it around, got it back to you, you're probably just about to hear it as you drive up to the race on race morning, and it might be a bit late by then. Hmm. But send us, you know, send us your questions. And also know that uh, it can be anonymous. It can certainly be through the contact form um, at uh, coachdoabeer.com. Therefore, you don't necessarily have to... Uh, Give your name or your address, and I think right now it's quite good to, to feel as though we are in the the heat of the season, and a lot of the product stuff sort of dies down really. The Giro ones, quite I suppose they bring it out because it relates to you know the helmets often relate to what's coming up in terms of Giro d'Italia, Tour de France, some of the uh, some of the uh, triathlon type plans will bring things out at certain races, you know, the bigger ones like Roth or Hawaii or whatever. But for the most part. A lot of new products go quiet because they're not going to bring them out to the biggest of the bigs. Now, the, the race results, who's won Paris Roubaix, the Giro, the London Marathon, this, that, that, those overpower the news of, oh, such and such has just brought out a new gear shift or whatever. It just gets, it almost gets, oh, don't, don't tell us that lost. now. Don't tell us that now. That's irrelevant. Somebody's just, you know, um, at London, you know, it was very close to breaking the, uh, the world record. And um, of course, something happened that week. Um, particularly in running, it probably was hardly noticed because you know, this guy did uh, you know, 203 and almost got the world record. And I like this part of the year because I think it's great because we've got a lot, uh, I've got a lot of athletes racing. Um, I like the fact that you know, put the proof in the pudding, you get people to challenge themselves, sometimes people get great results, sometimes they have things that go wrong. You know, there's people that have had zips go and they couldn't get out of the wetsuit and they're fighting their wetsuit nobody around would take their wetsuit off for them which is quite hilarious when i read an article that said there's always somebody around to help you with your wetsuit and i thought no they're in in the heat of the moment you're you're doing your stuff and you would i would i'd stop and do it because i think it's horrible to be in that situation because what is this before the swim no 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 no, no. <laughs> this is no, this is in this is trying to get out of this yeah, trying to get out of it in, in t uh in t1 trying to get out of it to the bike um and then there's people that have uh have unfortunately Grass. There's people that have found, you know, the weather has changed horribly wrong for them. There's people that have done, um, 
they've done power levels or effort levels that don't relate to the time they get. There's people that um, at the other end of the spectrum have been over the moon how, how well things have gone. And I think there is, there's, a, there's a definite personality trait as to whether you see it as good news or bad news. Because I think if you wind yourself up to think the only possible outcome is me, you know, bashing the best ever uh, marathon, um, enduro, mountain bike, time for whatever. If you don't keep an eye on what you're doing and just do it as best you can, you can sometimes not be prepared for the fact that you did do the best that you could and you still couldn't get that dream result. But if you do the best you can at any point, then that's all you're going to get. And if that's all you can get, well, right now, what can you do about that? Can you do anything about it? Or is that, or is that your level? And I hate to say it, but sometimes people have got to accept that's your level for the time being. The things don't get ever, 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 ever faster. Well, do we get the same a lot. I mean, I guess you're the same, Joe. Sometimes we get uh, guys that have um, started to use power mm -hmm. and then seen a, a nice increase from when they've started to, started to train, uh, doing it properly, um, you know, using power. And then kind of all of a sudden it just plateaus and it stops. And then people are going, well, why is, why is that stopping? Why am I not increasing? Well, mm. that's, that's kind of it. Yeah. You know, you, you've got, you've got what you've got. Um, you know, you might be able to eke out a few more watts. But most of the time, the feedback that we get from, from people that are new to, to power, um, even heart rate, when we introduce people to kind of training with heart rate, they're just mm. like, wow, that's, that's made a huge difference. Mm. You know, mm. for training is more organized. Um, I think the pacing of heart rate and power, you know, using something to keep yourself, not sometimes if it's something that you haven't got too much time to think about it, then you've got to go a lot on feel, but reference what's going on. But to get it right, having had a great scenario recently of somebody on power that gets smashed on the bike by somebody who's not on power, and then they run them, they run them out by 18 minutes over 13 you realise that the one that didn't have power is now going, oh, looks like these power meters are quite useful. But also, on the flip side of that, that's the pace judgment you need for perhaps longer races, and that's probably something over, over an hour or an hour and a half. Over shorter races, or sometimes just over the latter stages, you do have to be prepared to go somewhere you haven't gone before. So you have to be mentally thinking, oh, no, I'm not going to just deliver what I've done before because then I'll, I'll, I'll better no the kit might make you a bit better but no race is ever won or no pb's got but somebody just sat there going oh, i didn't do anything and i managed to get a pb and i think you have to be prepared particularly if it's about a speed of movement thing you've got to be prepared that the sensations you get will be okay you might have dipped into them in training but you've never actually experienced the whole thing because you can't have done it already in training the full malarkey said oh i've already done that ironman in training at that speed and all they've got to do is do it on race day there's, there should always be an extra bit or out on race day, but if you ever want a PB, you've got to bring an extra bit out. You can't just, if you deliver what you've delivered before, you'll get what you've got before. And I think you have to be prepared at this part of the season if you have got everything lined up and you're ready for PBs. And there isn't a huge amount of things where you say, that person, blimey, they've had so much going on and they're so not conditioned as they should be, you know, they're not going to get their best results. But if you have got your best results, um, or rather, if you've got not best results, if you've got very good training results, why can't you? Um, a bit of background music uh, going by. Um, if you've got your 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 best setup looks like it's in place, 
The only thing holding you back often is your mindset, and that's to get the pacing right. But at some point you say, I've got to push myself harder than before. And I think that's the difficult thing, because eventually you do hit that buffer. And if you hit that buffer, where do you find more? And I was speaking to a client today, and he absolutely agreed with me, and he, and he said, I hate the phrase 100%. And I said, yeah, me too. I said, because it makes out that you're, you know, you're kind of not tapping into resources that you've got. And most people that race, race really hard, and they do actually, they do give a really hard effort. They might get it a bit wrong and go, oh, actually, it's really All went, all went to pop really. But you very rarely get people that just say, oh, I couldn't really be bothered to do it. Because if you're not really bothered to do it, you are never going to get a PB. Um, so you've got to be, as much as anything, it's about the mental um, application. Because if you've got all your kit, you know your event, you know what you're doing, it's are you mentally prepared to go that extra little bit more than what you've ever done before? Because if you do, that's why people are really chuffed about it. Because like, wow. Because they've always shown there was a little bit left that they hadn't tapped into. And if you don't tap into that, you're not going to get PBs unless you go to you know ever shorter courses that people know are short, or very advantageous courses that are getting either flatter and flatter in uh, triathlon terms, or perhaps um, in uh, off-road or in other scenarios. They really do pinpoint your particular strengths and other races don't you end up being a very narrow niche person that does really well at a particular niche but actually hasn't got any better at other things and I think you have to mentally say when you're on the start line particularly if you're listening to this as you're driving to a race or thinking about an upcoming race you have to be prepared to know when it is you're going to dig into a bit more um, of your uh, of your well as uh, we try and call it your well which has got to be full up and if it's empty because you're mentally exhausted from work and stress and other things like that, probably not going to happen. No, and I think racing brings out the best slash worst in people. Mm. So I think racing, only racing can drag that, that extra couple of percent out, you know, that, you know, whether it be on a, a road race or a time trial and you're looking at the clock going, I reckon I could take this up to an extra mile an hour, you know, for the last three miles, you know, I'm going to have to really dig in for this, or, you know, you're only a shade off of your best time, and you think, well, I can have this today, mm -hmm. you know, and how much you're prepared to drag that out, but you can only get, I think you can only get that sensation of, of oh, I've got everything out there, when you actually blow a gasket, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. you actually go, but your, your pacing's good, you get a, a good time, maybe, maybe it's not a PB, but it's close to, and you're mm -hmm. thinking, wow, I need to have got that PB, I have to go. Yeah. into the red you know i had to go hard or um because it's racing so yeah no as much as much as we you know we've talked about this before about you know base training and high intensity training and um doing the skill work and stuff racing is another skill again it is the art of being able to empty yourself out and afterwards be be able to say i couldn't have done that any better and that won't always be the case there's quite often people um i said earlier you know can't get their wetsuit off, have a uh, have a minor crash or go the wrong way or, or do something bizarre. And afterwards I have to say, no, that wasn't the best of executions, therefore I need to, you know, next time just get my uh, get my uh, plan a, a little bit more refined. And as you get more uh, serious, those are the differences in whether you can go quicker, whether you can put all those things together right. But we were watching the, uh, the video, weren't we, the Hunt for Glory that uh, Nino Scherter, up and he he kind of he's 
him and Scott are blogging uh, effectively and videoing. Uh, vlogging, it's called now. Um, I know, it's alright. You, you, you don't have to tell your grand. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to tell your grand. I got a second. Right, I know kids, it. Right, um, so, you know, they're, they're showing what kind of training he does. All right, they're not getting down to the nitty gritty, but you know, they're, they're showing what he has to do. To, and I know he's a professional. That is his job. Hashtag he, hunt for glory. That's it. And um, you know, the, the stuff that they, the, the pros have to do um, to prepare themselves for. The race, you know, um, the race last weekend, um, I think Nino Scherter won it by half a wheel length over... Um, yeah, that sprint that's amazing. amazing. And and it was, if you watch the video to it, which I think is on Red Bull Race, I think, or Red Bull yeah. TV, um, they are they are neck and neck the whole way around on the last lap. No one has a dig, they're just waiting for that sprint. And when you see the camera shot from behind... It looks like he's lost it. It looks like he's lost by yeah. a fair way yeah. as well. But as you get the head-on shot, you realise that he's, you know, he's just wound it up and he's yeah. got it. But there's two guys there that have to train, have to train efficiently. But the best, the best sentence that he had is, is you know, um, he's not time you know, he hasn't got any time restraints. But he said, I focus on quality rather than quantity. Um, and then he gives the percentage breakdown of what he does. I mean, he was saying like 75% is endurance work. If he wants to do anything harder, he actually does some running as well, he does hill running um, to, to try and increase his heart rate, his heart rate higher than he would be on the bike. So it's actually, if you go on to... Which, is, which is close to the 80-20, if you're talking 75%, it is you know, right. yeah, it yeah. is pro, and it is, you know, it is, uh, 75% is the lower end, and it might be because actually when you, when you consider the strength and condition, that's what makes up the majority of the rest of it. There but is some high intensity. Yeah, but, but his gym work as yeah. well, the gym work that he goes through as well to, to kind of back all this up is it's quite impressive to watch. And yeah. I mean, I know I'm a bit biased. A, we sell Scots, and B, you know, I'm a mountain B, biker, really. And B, B you're his favouritest fan. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. never returns uh, anyone letters that. Oh. Um, but, you know, th that kind of thing to watch, to watch the pros yeah. do it. And But they've spent years building to that point. That's yeah. the thing is that everybody must be realistic about how much have you done to this point? How, how much of a build-up is it? Is there a few few bits of this, few bits of that, and you're going to get round, but don't expect your greatest ever? Or have you are you on the roll of rolls? You That's just it. seem to yeah, be yeah, building yeah. and building, and and look at it and go, I've never had this amount of consistency and fitness, and, and and that's where he's at. He has spent years putting a brick in the wall every week, so he is the world champion wall by the fact that he's built stuff up. The most people get a few months, something gets in the way. Get a few more months, it's going all well. Going to winter, kill it down. You know, and it's up and down, but he will be a pro for the whole yeah, time. Yeah. And if you've got the pro engine, that's great. If you haven't got the pro engine, I think you've got to watch, you don't try and build a world, build a wall bigger than you need. That's the thing when, you know, when people are going for marginal gains or or sometimes, the, you know, the, the Twitter quotes and the Facebook quotes about how, you know, how sort of motivated somebody is. And I get it because having done quite a bit of endurance now, I get that you you know you want to get into that into that right mindset, but you do have to keep balance because it's possible to spend hours and hours and hours doing something and never giving back to people, uh, projects or things that you know if you spent that amount of, of time doing something for a uh, you know spent you know or oh, did fifteen hours of training if you did fifteen hours in a charity shop they, you'd be their you'd be their favourite volunteer. And yet, people can do it for sport and never think about, okay, 
you might get a drop off if you did something for somebody else in the season. But pros still do their bit of PR, go off and do stuff. They have their charitable organisations. And I think it is, as much as it's great to see pros, they still get it right. They still do what some amateurs don't, which is they manage to put it back in. They manage to get that high and low. High season, everything's about it. Low season, they go off and they do their other things. And it keeps. I think it keeps a good balance. And to see how they train, you think, blimey, you've got to have a bit of an off-season because they train so hard. I mean, that's the thing. All right, yes, you look at the equipment that they... So they have everything at hand. So, for instance, we know for a fact that Nino Scherter will take four bikes to to the race. Yeah. He will ride those bikes with different pressures in his shocks, yeah. different uh, full suspension, hardtails. He'll ride them with... Different wheels, like different tyres. You, you take four bikes and a, right. and a Swanio and a Masu. I was going to say, I think I've got the pro mindset with a massively mediocre engine. <laughs> but, you know, that's the length that we go to. So his mechanic will then tweak the pressures in the shocks, um, change the wheel sets, change the gearing, you know. But that's what they do. Yeah. That is their job. Yeah. It's it's not, you know... And that stuff trickles down via, you know, the, the X, the X pro... Um, mechanics sometimes increasingly these things are a bit more open about what people are doing because they still know there's an art you could tell people about the you know the aspect of uh, heart rate training or power training it's not an art to work out how to use that with somebody so they'll actually be more open now about telling people oh yeah we use this and we use that and this is the type of lube that we prefer and this is the type of you know we use this in the shops we use this this and this because they kind of realize that that still ain't going to make anybody else a world champion but it shows the extent to which what they do can still find its way. Even that four bike thing, would it mean even if you were in a team and you had a few different people, it would still make sense if you could to get, you know, a couple of extra spare bikes if you could, if you were traveling somewhere and it was, in, you know, if you weren't going abroad, if you're traveling somewhere, oh, can we get some extra bikes in? Because we never know what might happen. As much as it sounds silly, well, why not? Because if you get there and you have something cataclysmic happen to one of your bikes you might be able to use this second bike and if it's kind of in the mid-ground at least you've got something to ride and not like oh i got there this happened that was it and that four bikes is never going to happen for every amateur and the amateur that hears it goes oh the mountain bike would be really good i better have four bikes on hand no no no. you're missing the message the message is be prepared but be prepared at the level that's relevant to yeah. you yeah 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 definitely so you're still going to take four bikes yeah if i could fit four bikes in there okay. yes okay but that's good. Thank you for that. That was a great, great thing. And that video is, uh, I think you tweeted it. I tweeted it. And it's out there. I think you just look, uh, hashtag hunt for glory. Yeah, it's good. That's good. my Friday motivation, uh, motivation uh, video. We've gone off topic. Come on. No, we're, we're finished. We've done our questions. We've oh, done our... We? Yeah, well, that seems quick. Yeah, but we've, we've, we've kept the quality up. We've not gone on to... Uh, we've gone for quality rather than quantity. Yeah, we've not, we're not going to go through all these uh, tyres because people don't like talking about tyres too no, much. No, and no. we've given them some inside information. That's true. Um, I think it is, like I say, whatever your, your sporty, if your time trial, your road race, whatever you're doing right now, your triathlon, your Ironman, um, Ironman Lanzarote's just been. There's uh, Ironmans pretty much every weekend from now on. And there's triathlons, mini ones, medium ones, all over the place. Time trials, probably three, four, three or four, you know, per night, per per, uh, per probably half of the country. There's always some happen somewhere. We're in the we're in the thick of it. So whatever you do, even if you're not at your creme de la creme point of maximum marginal gains, you don't have to be, you know, uh, Team Sky or Nino or anybody else. You just get out there and do it. 
because I think once you start racing, you feel, even if you're not on it, you still get that buzz that if you've ever been into endurance sport, that's why you do it, because you like that buzz. And if you can't take it that you're going a bit slower, you get out and race and realise that even to race is a great privilege, even if you're slower than, oh, I'll have a couple of minutes off than what I should be. Yeah, but you're getting to the finish line and now you've got to go off and work on that couple of minutes. If you don't turn up, you've got no right to say, well, I reckon I'd have beaten such and such, or, well, you know, um, uh, uh, I might do that. Get out there and do it, because I think the best thing when people do it is they realise they do love what it is, and they'd much rather do it than not do it. And most of the time, the things that stop people not doing it is their own problems about whether they're quite quick enough to justify themselves. Just get out there and do it. Yeah. And you don't need four bikes like Crocker to do it either. I think I think you said you get the nail on the head when you said it's a privilege to be able to race. Yeah. You know, there there are certain people in this world that will never ever get the chance to do what we do, yeah. um, and and we kind of moan that we might have missed a Thursday session or we might Saturday was so hectic at work that I got home at half past ten and then have to go straight to bed and the race wasn't too good on the Sunday. I think just be thankful that we can, yeah. That, yeah. that we can, at whatever level. And it's not, level. it's not, it's not to, it's not to sort of, you know, condone people or in any way get, get, get the context of racing wrong, but it's just, you can, and I've known people say, oh yeah, but I, you know, often I get texts, oh, particularly two weeks to go, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether I'm going to beat that, I don't know if I'm going to do it now. You're like, you spent months doing it, of course you're going to do it, yeah. do it. Oh, it's, don't worry, it's the gremlins kicking into the system. We always system. get a wobble. All the, of us get a wobble. And it's because your body's then going, oops, here comes that race. That was months ago, now it's two weeks ago. Oh, what do I need to do? Well, you're already doing it. You're thinking about here it comes. Mm. You're you're immediately making changes in, in how you sit, in what you eat, in how many times you go to bed late, and how much you drink, and how much you, you say to people, oh, I'll just come and do your <laughs> session and not do mine. You make those adjustments straight away. Because I know it with me, and I know it with other people. But... When you get into that moment where you're going to race, and when you get into the moment where you're going to do your um, your thing, that's what you love about it: is the anticipation, the putting it into effect, the afterwards, you know, having a good old, you know, chinwag about it. And if you don't do it, people miss racing. People that are forced not to race anymore, it is a massive, you know, it's the it's the psychological problem with ex pro racers is that sudden lack of structure in what they do in. Uh, lifestyle and even as an amateur you can have a similar thing when you're seriously injured or you stop racing particularly if you stop racing for your own reasons that uh, well just get out there and race don't stop just because you think you're not quick enough to go and do it because once you do it probably you'll get motivated to you know just get round or then start to chip away and the uh, the age effect isn't as massive as people make out because look after yourself with good body work good nutrition you can actually be uh, in a good place so if you have the ebgbs Please do not stress. Get yourself to the start line. Something small, something that you considered before to be not necessarily worth the hassle. And um, get yourself there and do it. And then tell us about it. Because you might just say, do you know what, that was brilliant. I did something. And I get these sometimes people almost acknowledging that, wow, I kind of got myself into a bit of a tiz about it. And I've just done something that, that I really love. And actually... That's got me so motivated, not to be better and better and better and get it all out of context again, but just to feel that buzz of completing something. See, I mean, and again, I've got a close friend who, unfortunately, because of an injury, cannot do what he was good at, what he was right. very good at. Um, this actually came from a snapped Achilles 
uh, that he's done twice. Um, and uh, now he cannot, he can't run. You know, he was a good, good runner. Um, and he, he kind of, he came to me and just said, I, I, I don't know what to do. You know, I've, I, this injury is now just, you know, the specialist has said, no, you know, there's no running anymore. Your flexibility's gone. And oh. he's like, oh, what do I do? So I took him out on, on the bike and just showed him what you could do on a road bike. And then the next day we took him out on the mountain bikes and he was just like, you know, going good guns now. So, Brilliant. you know, it's, it's, it's not a case that sometimes you have to stop because it's the sport that you no. loved. You know, maybe there's another sport that you're equally yeah. as good at, but you just, you haven't ventured down that avenue. Yeah, so. yeah. But just be thankful for every day that you can uh, train and you can race. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> right. We do appreciate your, um, we've got loads of them. Um, if you haven't already done it, put a, a, a rating and a review up at iTunes. It's, it's, um, good, it's good to get the feedback via that way. You can always send it via the contact page if you've got questions like Rob did earlier and another one we had on the, the tweet from Ian. Uh, follow me at Coach Joe Beer. Follow Crocker, i.e. Southport Racing, which is at Southport ATB. Perfect Racing ATB. Um, send in your questions. We'll be doing one in less than a month. We've had a, a slight delay on this one just because, as again, uh, things were busy and we just cracked on with uh, getting into the heat of the season. And at a certain point, it's quite good just to uh, leave you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, your own devices. But I love getting the questions, particularly about um, racing or bits and pieces. If we can get any more insider info, we will. Thank you once again for listening and for passing this uh, um, podcast on to uh, your friends and telling them about it and uh, we will speak to you in a month so thank you for listening remember train smart and I need to say have fun and have fun God, you can't remember your words every time no, I'm going to have to do this script again should we go for this one again see oh. I reckon Henry would chop this bit out so ready here we go again um, thank you for listening Remember, train smart and have fun. Yeah. Did well.